Welcome to the Air Attack Podcast. I'm your host, Michael. And as always, feel free to subscribe to us anywhere you would get your platform from, whether it's iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google, whatever you got, go out there, search uh, Air Raid Attack Podcast. And then, of course, follow us on Twitter at Air Raid underscore podcast. Follow me on my personal Twitter, On Air with Mike, and that's the best way you can communicate with us throughout the week until we can get some more platforms on the social media site going out there. But for now, that will do. We've got a wonderful special guest on our hands tonight. It is uh, my honor to have, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Coach Colley from Colorado Springs out of Vista Ridge High School. He is the head coach of that wonderful program, just to kind of fill you in. On his journey, uh, he has coached in 7A in Alabama, Hawaii, Kansas, Arizona, of course, in the beautiful state of Colorado, which one day... I'll definitely be there to visit. Uh, <laughs> Coach Collie, welcome to the Air Attack Podcast. It's an honor to have you on the show. I really appreciate that, Michael. It's an honor to be on. I'm excited to talk some football. Yes, sir. And I kind of fill you guys in. Uh, we were actually going on this for about at least at least a good 10 minutes. And uh, we've been having music and, you know, disconnection. So I don't know what's going on, but it was, it was good to laugh at. I still got that tune, though, in my head. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's funny. But all righty, we'll get back. To, we'll get uh, get down to business. Of course, uh, last year, uh, actually getting to be able to complete the area uh, offense, which many may know, uh, especially if you're in Big Twelve country, one of the prolific uh, offenses to run, and it's quite honestly, one that's a lot of people are going to uh, <clears throat> uh, here as late, but. With COVID-19, of course, limiting a lot of things last year, not, of course, not just for your program, but across the country and across the globe, how did that affect you trying to implement a system and, of course, try to get it as perfection as close as possible? It was uh, it was very difficult, to say the least. You know, it, it things I don't think anybody had to go through before. Um, we started out, I guess, getting back on the field in February, and I knew – and when our season ended in November, you know, you take a few weeks to, to reflect and see how, you know, what changes you need to make and what you need to take out, what you need to put in. And, and I kind of knew from there that we needed to go a different direction. Uh, Michael, like, you know, I'm telling you before, we, we, I ran a, a different offense for the first 13 years of my coaching career. And uh, that was Rich Rodriguez, the spread offense that we adopted when we was in Alabama. And, and I was very successful with it. And I love it. And I still love it. Love a lot of great concepts of it. But I think uh, we got away from the base of the offense because after 13 years of mixed matching and pulling and taking away and, and putting in, um, the new staff that we had and the players as well didn't know the base from it, didn't know the orange origins of it, and didn't know where it came from, and they were just running what was already installed. So we, I went to a uh, – I had some thoughts and, you know, I had a little bit of introduction to the air raid in college as Dana Holgerson was the, uh, you know, was a coach over there at Mississippi college where I was going my freshman year. He had just come from Valdosta state with coach mommy and he had played for him over at Iowa Wesleyan and, 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 you know, uh, I guess he knew his greatness there and decided to follow him over there to Valdosta state, which was a great, great move. And, and he, uh, I tell you when, when I got there to Mississippi college, I was a freshman and I, I thought I knew football, but I didn't. And uh, <laughs> you know, I think that's a lot of people, you know, they think they know when they come out of high school, but then when you go there and you hear like these really, really amazing coaches talk and you're like, what's he talking about? But, uh, but so I was introduced to it there and I loved it there. I was a QB 
and he kind of moved me around to a flex tight end as well. And I, you know, I, I had a little bit of good size and I was a decent athlete. So, uh, but no, it, it, so I, I had a little bit of introduction from him and, uh, and the Mississippi college. And, and I knew about it, of course, just being a coach and, we have a, a really, really, really special QB, and we had some special wide receivers as well. And uh, with most of our offensive line, all of our offensive line graduating, uh, we knew we was going to be inexperienced on the off- uh, on the offensive line. Um, so we knew we lost two senior running backs, <clears throat> and so we knew we weren't going to be able to run the ball as much. Uh, so we, I, you know, adopted the air raid. I got interested in it, started doing some more research on it, trying to refamiliarize myself with it, and. I ran into uh, – I can't remember how it happened. I got an email one day, and it said, How Mummy's Air Raid Certification. And I'm like, nice. what is this? I want to I want to look into this. So I, I spent the $500 to get into it, and, and, <laughs> and it was worth – I would have spent if, – if, if I had known – if I would known how good it was, I would have spent as much money as I could on it. It, it was well worth it. I mean, it was more than worth the $500. But it was – uh. But man, it's just the way they break it down. They break it down from the base of it, and um, you know, from from the very, very bottom dirt of it, and, and that's what I wanted. And that's because I wanted the players to learn it just like I was learning, and I wanted the staff to learn it just like I was learning it. So we started in February. We was going to start out slow because we thought we had about six or seven months before we really starting to get you know into it. And uh, so we started out, and I just wanted to introduce them to the, basically the everyday drills that we was going to run with the mesh and the you know the settle drill and pack and mm-hmm. and and uh, so we got into that. We we did one for one week, another one another week, another one another week. And our first install that we was going to do that we was going to spend a whole week on was mesh. Um, but about the time that happened, we we I think we got one or two days of the mesh in. Then we had some you know two or three snow days, and and then COVID decided to hit, and uh, <laughs> so we were all locked out. <laughs> we were all locked out. And, you know, at the first you don't know what's happened, how long it's going to be, and then you realize, oh, this is going to be a little good while. So in March is what we started to do is uh, I went and got one of the whiteboards from school, asked the principal if I could borrow one of those huge rolling whiteboards, and I went and put it in my basement. And, and I started with, you know, some some basically basement clinics. Is I got that term from uh, Coach Pat Fox in Michigan. I think he is probably one of the best coaches, defensive minds that I've ever listened to and watched. And so I decided to do some basement clinics basically on my own and, and uh, uploaded the huddle. And, you know, I basically started from where the air raid certification started uh, as an intro to the to the offense, to the formations. to uh, And, you know, we took each concept and did a different install every single day or every week with those concepts. And uploading the huddle, you know, and you're hoping the kids are invested, hoping they're getting on and watching. And, and it really helps when you have the leaders that we have. We had a uh, – my first year here, he was a freshman QB uh, – that ended up getting freshman of the year, a first team all conference, but it, it's not just his arm. It's just his leadership ability, his, his, his mind and how he absorbs things. And, and, uh, and I knew he was special and, and he, uh, and he was because throughout these uh, installs, um, him and the, the rest of the great leaders on the team, they were getting together on their own and they was taking whatever they see on huddle and they was putting it to work on the field, uh, any field that they can find. If it was a park, if it was someone's backyard or whatever it was, you know, they were taking the safety precautions of what they could do with mask and the distancing, trying to wear gloves as well. And, and uh, at the time, that's what they thought they should do. And, mm-hmm. and uh, so, they, they, you know, I'm not going to tell them they couldn't. I couldn't be with them, but that was their decision. That's what they did. And, and I'm telling you, they were probably together three days a week, you know, starting and probably like, you know, 
mid-April, late April, or May. And uh, so we, we, we did that. And also there's this thing called screencast. And I didn't know about it as, a, as an educational tool originally for, you know, basically just schoolwork and not athletics. But I found it as a tool to screencast. What it does is it, it records you and you can talk over any kind of film and telestrate any film you want to while you talk over it. So they see you're recording like basically like a uh, FaceTime in a corner of the screen, but they're watching the film and they're hearing you talk over. Wow. Yeah. So I, so what you do is once you make that screencast of the film, you can download that and you can take that download and you can upload that to Huddle as well. So those were a couple of the tools that we used during this uh, COVID time to basically reach the team and, and how we could, do some kind of football work without being together. And, and I'm telling you, Michael, it was, it was amazing. It worked and it, it wouldn't have worked if we wouldn't have had the leadership of the kids though. Uh, Cause it was, it was all student led. And, uh, but they did, they, they, they worked at it. And I'm telling you at one point, our team and another team got like 15 teams together in the state of Colorado and had a huge seven on seven tournament. And, you know, so they did that work on their own. We got to be with them, I guess, late June is when we were cleared to actually start working with them. And uh, we did. We we just jumped right into it. We, we weren't able to work out or be in the gym, but we were outside and we just try to work on a lot of, you know, plyometrics and, you know, conditioning and trying to get our feet back up under us while doing the installs. And, and I tell you, it was really refreshing when we started how much the kids already had to grasp of the offense. It was amazing. It was unbelievable. Uh, you know, I, 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 uh, I had a, a few, I guess, coaches that were versed in the air raid that I learned a lot from as well. One coach Mackey, Ron Mackey's a big guy with a lot of different offenses, but he's the one as well that got me into the air raid with how mummy and, and from him, I heard about George uh, Coulter, if I might be saying his name wrong, but if any of you guys are interested in getting into the air raid, those are two high school coaches that I recommend following, subscribing, and watching anything they can do. Uh, after spending the money on Coach Mummy's air raid, I, I turned around and spent, you know, whatever I needed to spend to learn whatever I can learn from Coach Coulter about a uh, – I can't, I can't remember if he's in North Carolina. I can't remember where he's at, but he's, uh, he's amazing. So, um, you know, I try to make it my own, um, and that's the thing. You, you can take somebody's offense, and, and if you try – in my opinion, if you try to do it exactly like them, and if you don't understand it as much, it's just not going to work. So, uh, you know, we don't use blue. We don't use early. We don't use things like that. I, I kept my same terminology of the, uh, of the Rich Rodriguez system where we go Rip and Liz and Rio and Leo and Rocco and Loco for our formations, and, and uh, you know, we uh, – we kept that, and you know, that, that, that was familiar to the kids. Easy for them to learn the formations, and the mo we kept the motions the same as well. And, but we did. We took 95% of our, our playbook out and installed the base of the air raid. And we, we kept it to like six or seven drop back um, plays. We had four quick game. Uh, we had two RPOs. We had three run concepts. And my, my goal at the beginning of the season, I was like, I want to pass the ball 80% of the time. Um, and that's uh, we kind of we kind of exceeded that a little bit. We, we threw the ball ninety three percent of the time, and uh, that, that's what we ended up doing. And and you know, and it's you know, some of the running backs are like, I want to run the ball. I was like, I know you want to run the ball, but we're we want to throw the ball. We, you, yes, we do exactly. They loosen that box up. We will run the ball, but 
but we did. We ended up throwing the ball 93 percent of the time, and and you know it was. Um, I, I just credit everything to the technology and, and to the leadership of the kids of, of what we were able to accomplish during this time because we we were told in August that when they found out that we weren't going to have a season, they said, "Well, y'all can't work with the kids anymore." And so it was like early August. They said we couldn't work with them after a month of working with them. And then Labor Day, after Labor Day, they said we could start working with them again after Labor Day. Well, with a big push from a city and monument here, uh, they uh, a, a movement called Let Colorado Play is what it was called. And uh, so they uh, it they were really good of of catching the ear of a, a lot of important people and. Uh, they kind of reversed the decision and gave the state of Colorado a decision to play in the spring or fall. And each district had their, or each school had their decision on what they wanted to do. And our seniors wanted to play. So I wanted to play and uh, I wanted to play anyway. And uh, so we, uh, we, we had a condensed season of seven games. Uh, we ended up getting five games in because some were canceled, but, uh, but you know, it was, man, it was, we had two weeks when we found out we had to play, we had two weeks to get ready for our first game. And, you know, going into a new offense, especially as something that you need rep after rep after rep after rep, you're kind of wondering how prepared we were going to be. But, uh, you know, it, it turned out all right, Michael. It was, it was uh, you know, we had a five-game season. Our quarterback ended up throwing 24 touchdowns in five games and over like 1,900 yards. And we had two receivers with over 600 yards receiving. And and uh, so it was I, – I, and I, like I said, I credit that to the leadership of the kids working on their own and – the technology available to reach the kids why you couldn't reach them. Oh, absolutely. And and I think technology is just getting better, not just from the sports aspect, but just technology in itself, I think is just phenomenal where it was started. And even during the COVID time, I think it's really even took another step forward uh, into where they wanted to go. And of course, I'm sure, um, <clears throat> I'm sure your quarterback, Brayden Dorman, um, I know is your top um, – I shouldn't say top prospect, but he's definitely the top prospect in Colorado, if not the top prospect. Uh, I do know of, uh, quite a bit of some coaches out there that's from the college ranks that do listen from time to time. Kind of sell your uh, sell your, sell your quarterback, so to speak. He's an easy sell, I'll tell you, Michael. So uh, <laughs> when I was in Arizona, I took the job at Scottsdale Christian Academy out there in Arizona. Beautiful place, beautiful school, great people there. Um, so this job was, uh, open at Vista Ridge and I got the job and I had two weeks where I had a report and I came back to Arizona. I uploaded everything I could on huddle for our offense, as far as like con past concepts, run concepts and quick game, drop back, sprint out and everything. Again, this was Rich Rodriguez, the system that I was still running. And, uh, so when I, when I got to Colorado Springs on June the 1st was my first day. When I got there on June the 1st, we had a 14-year-old quarterback out there. And, uh, and and I tell you, we had a quarterback on our on our team already that's probably one of the better ones in the state. He's just an amazing athlete, but he's a good quarterback, probably one of the best receivers ever coached. But uh, he uh, it was a decision. I mean, he was supposed to be the quarterback, but I had to make a decision. And, and I just felt in the long run that Braden is where we needed to be. But the first day I was there – this 14-year-old quarterback had seniors and juniors, and he was installing the offense on his own as a 14. Wow. Uh, it, it was just huge. When I saw that, I'm like, that's a ball player. That's that's a football player. That's what he is. He is a football player. Um, and he, you know, 
as a 14-year-old, is, is playing varsity football at a, at a school with an 1,800 or 1,700 kid enrollment, you know, it's a big-time ball. And, and he, he, I guess, the first before the first week of the season, he lost his number one, his number three, and his number four receiver, two to an ACL and one to a torn label. Uh, mm. But he still ended up being a freshman of the year, first team all conference. And, you know, and, and right before the season, Iowa State was his first offer. And uh, so he, he, that carried over, but his work ethic just got better and better. And I'm telling you, this is a 4.0 student, 4.0 student with all advanced classes. He's a leader in the classroom. He's a leader in the weight room. He's a leader on the field. Uh, he's a dual sport kid. Um, you know, so coming into this season, we had high expectations of him and he started getting a lot of recognition. And I think Iowa State was the first one to jump on him. And since then, he's been offered by Kansas. He's been offered by Colorado, Colorado State, Oregon State, uh, Middle Tennessee State. And uh, the list of people that I talk to every single day about him just goes on and on, Michael. He's uh, I've coached a lot. Like I said, I've coached a lot of places. Uh, and, and Alabama, just so many different athletes and great athletes. And probably, oh, yes. you know, I've coached some that ended up in the league, not because of me, just because they were great. I didn't had I had nothing to do with it. But, um, you know, even in Hawaii, Hawaii is a pit that a gold mine that people don't really know about. They do now, but at the time it, it wasn't as people didn't know the talent that Hawaii had. You know, I, I was over there and I coached a kid. First year I coached him as a head coach. He broke the uh, all-time uh, Hawaiian. A Hawaii single game passing record. And, uh, you know, so then I went to Kansas. Again, I coached a kid who broke the all times <laughs> Kansas single game passing record. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, he, this game, we, we win. We were playing a lot bigger team, a lot of uh, two classifications above us. And, and this kid came in his first, first year at quarterback, and he was 42 of 63 with 648 yards. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> That's matter. That was fun. Right that was a, that was fun. <laughs> but, uh, so I've, I've coached some good quarterbacks, and uh, this this Braden is probably the best all around football player I've ever seen, ever coached, and I say ever seen. Look, we we our team we played against Julio Jones and C.J. Mosley, so those guys were just freaks, you know, and those guys you would everybody. But, you know, it's different as a quarterback. He's the best quarterback that I've, I've seen personally, um, you know, as a high school athlete or a high school football player. And and uh, I do really believe – I know we're going to see him on Saturdays, but I do really believe he has the stuff that it takes to, to see him on Sundays as well. Well, I'll definitely keep an eye because, you know, of course uh, – you know, I really I enjoy football just in general. Of course, the recruiting process I think is is phenomenal of how it takes steps. I know I co uh, asked Coach Dreyer uh, probably a good two three months ago. Now I'm sure with how time flies by, but when let's just say let's just throw a name out there, Nick Saban. I could be easily looking right, but let's just say Nick Saban or or even <clears throat> Les Miles at Kansas, Matt Campbell, Iowa State. The list goes on and on. When they come to you, what's the first thing? How do you, in your approach, um, they ask, hey, let's, you know, little Johnny boy, I'm, you know, just going to throw a name out there. He's, you know, we're interested. How do you approach the college coaches in regards to recruiting? Uh, you talking about with any players or are you talking about with, with Braden specifically? Uh, anyone. Anyone is, you know, they're going to ask, if, if it's going to be a school like that, they have someone in mind. Uh, you know, you have if you have a school calling you like, uh, 
you know, usually you'll get an email where prospects list from most colleges send those out. Right. But when, uh, when you have a, a Campbell and I was mainly Joel Gordon at Iowa state that developed a relationship with Dorman. But when you have those guys, you know, I had Michigan state call this week. I got off the phone with LSU this uh, today and Northwestern yesterday. And they're asking specifically for a break. Um, but when you, uh, so when they're, when they're asking, you know, a specific about a player, the first thing I go to is his leadership capabilities are how he is as a teammate. Um, then I will comment on what type of student he is. Um, and, and then we get into the fo- football aspects. I, I, I first want the guys to know straight up what kind of, ad, what, what kind of teammate he is, mm-hmm. uh, what the college coaches want to know. Is he a good teammate? So that's, they also want to know, is he recruitable? Is he a good, you know, is he a good student? And, um, you know, and those, those two, after that, the football talk start, because it doesn't matter, in my opinion, it doesn't matter about the football stuff if those two first boxes aren't checked off. Yep. So that's how I, that's how I usually approach it first. And, uh, and it's easy when you have students like, you know, Braden on our team and we have a kid named Justice Lalau and we have a kid named BB and those kids have great grades. So and they're, they're great teammates they're good kids. And, it, and it's very, very easy to promote those players. Oh, absolutely. And um, <clears throat> excuse me. And in, in regards to uh, just the question that we got from uh, Undefeated Bro, um, how do you deal with negativity um, just in general? And of course, how do you use social media to reach your team? Uh, negativity is a cancer, in my opinion. Uh, and, and you just try to get rid of the cancer. And you don't get rid of it right away. I'm, I am a type of, of coach and, and person in general that that wants to give people shots. I don't want to kick anybody off a team and put them on the streets if they're struggling in life. So I, I do I, I do my best to try to work with kids, but the negativity is a cancer and you got to get rid of that cancer. I'm not talking about get rid of the kid, but you got to, you know, one, try to get to the root problem, see if there's mm-hmm. something going on with the guy that you may not be able to see behind the eyes. And, um, and if there is, sometimes that can be fixed. You know, if you, you get to know the person, you get to talk to them and, they know that you actually care and maybe some of that negativity turns into positivity after a few conversations. Uh, and then that's, you know, I think the, the personal level with the kids is, is really, really important with the negativity. If you can't reach them, you probably can't get that negativity out of them. Um, and it's good to have great staff because sometimes you come in as a new coach and they, you know, you, you don't have that immediate connection with them, but someone on your staff does and you can rely on them. It's like, hey, let's get this kid on the, on the path that we need to get him on and let's get him on board. Because um, there is, there is negativity. There's, the, I mean, they're, they're young kids. I say kids, are, they're, they're young as you know, they're 16, 17 years old. And a lot of times they're going to think about themselves first. I'm not saying everybody, but a lot of kids do. They're going to think about themselves first. So they need people to you know, got them along and, and try to teach them. That's not the way we do it. Um, you know, and I, I'm lucky enough to have people on the staff that, that are great with the kids and that's been around them for a lot longer than I have. So, you know, you, you, you try to get to the root of the problem first, because maybe there's something down deep that you don't know what's going on with the kid. But if it's just something where it's just not happening, it's just not happening. They, they usually weed themselves out. And, uh, and it starts with playing time. My, my biggest, I don't want to say punishment, but my biggest thing is kids want to play. And if you take their playing time away from them, that's going to get their attention more than anything else. 
I'm not the type of coach that's going to put a kid on, the, you know, put them on the line and just make them run and run and run. No, I, I, because they're kids. They're, and by, they're going to be tired, but one, they're probably not going to give 100% during these sprints, you know, or whatever you're trying to do. And then at the end of it, five minutes later, they're going to be fine. <laughs> they, like me yep. <laughs> if, I, if I run 10 gassers, I'm probably gonna be down for about three days. Yep, yep. But these kids, they run, they run, you know, 50, 20 gassers or whatever you have them running. And, you know, they're, they're going to play in a pickup game of basketball later. But, uh, but no, it's, uh, you know, that's the negativity thing. It is a cancer and you, you got to do something about it. You got to get rid of the cancer, but that's what I'm talking about. You got to get to the root of the problem. Is it something going on with a kid that maybe you can find and, and, and deal with and, 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 you know, and, and help him. I mean, it's, it's actually helping the kid if you try to get to the root of the problem. But sometimes it's just, you do have, you know, personalities on the team. that just, that it does not lead to a, a good cohesive program. So you, you, sometimes you do have to get rid of that. But um, but it, like I said, you got to rely on not just yourself, your staff members, your fa- the family members, and everybody else to be involved with, with these kids because there's a lot going on in their lives and the kids' lives these days are a lot. I guess they're, they're a lot. They're, they're not as simple as our lives were. I, I remember when I was in high school, I, I didn't even have a pager at the time, and and uh, you know, and these kids are have something in their hand 24 hours a day yep, and yep. They're, they're affecting this. And it's like, I want it now. And I want it, you know, so it's, it's a different time that we live in. And I try to remember that sometimes, but I'm stubborn. I forget, you know, but it's, <laughs> it's uh, but it is, it's, it's, it's a lot difficult times in my opinion now for, for young men. It was easy for me. It was, you know, I grew up in a rural town right outside of Mobile and it was, it was nothing but sports. I was a three sport athlete. I go to school, practice, come home, Go to sleep, same thing every day. You know, I'd be lucky if we had three stations on our television. But uh, but now they have everything in front of them, so you got to try to make it as as pleasant as possible where you're at, where they'll want to be there. Uh, as far as reaching out to the kids with technology, you know, we do have a Twitter page, we do have a Facebook page. We use the Facebook page more for the parents to if they have questions, and I let the team mom run that. Um, the Twitter page, you know, we I don't reach out to the quit the kids on social media. Um, that you know, our school district tries to tell us not to follow kids our kids on social media and things of that nature. And so I don't talk to them directly through social media. No, I will promote them with highlight films, with scholarship offers, with you know, camps they may be going to or awards they may be getting. We we definitely, you know, acknowledge them through social media in that way. But the way we connect through them, we have a team snap. Anytime, you know, we need to get something through them, we use team snap. And we also, huddle is a big tool. I mean, you use huddle message. And like I said, every single one of them have a cell phone. Every single one of them get that message right away. Uh, So we use huddle and team snap to to the connection or the, I guess, to uh, how to to converse. And we also have email blasts as well. But our social media, we usually use that for nothing but positive recognition and acknowledgement. Absolutely, and and, <clears throat> and uh, of course, you know, I'm sure. Hopefully, you haven't, but I'll ask you anyway. Have you dealt with any crazy parents that kind of either verbally attacked you or wanted to punch you in the face or what have you? Because they're, you know, what who are they assume that they're five star kids not playing and not getting enough playing time? Have you ever dealt with that uh, yet? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I remember it was after the first game of the season, and uh, and we won pretty well. And uh, our starters didn't come out the second half. And uh, you know, we, we we I think we ended up putting 70, 66, 70 on the board, and uh, and we didn't score the second half either. That was all in the first half. But uh, <laughs> so what you're saying is there was no mercy rule back then. Either. The second half was around one o'clock. It was, uh, you know, it was our team. We played well, but the, the AD asked me, you know, it's like, man, how do you, how do you keep all of them happy? How do you know with, with dispersing the ball? How do you you got so many athletes? How do you keep them happy? I'm like, coach, it was just the first game. <laughs> like, like everybody's happy when you're winning. <laughs> it's like, yeah. but, uh, but you know, and it is. It's, it's some, you know, some parents, you know, won't this or they want that or some kids they want this they want that and and ultimately what you're trying to do is you're just trying to win ball games uh you know and it's you're not just trying to get it in one person's hand you're not just trying to you know not let one kid play but and when it comes down to you're trying to win games and i you know i I told a parent once is look you know Braden feels comfortable with this person and he's going to you know, that's the safety blanket. That is his safety blanket. That's where he's going to go. And, you know, and that's, and I don't blame him as quarterback. I look for my safety blanket too. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, you get it and you try just, I don't hear anything during the games. I'll be honest with you during the games. I don't hear a word. Uh, and it's, there's a lot of words being said because other people tell me about it. Parents come up and tell me about it. Do you hear what this parent was saying? Or do you hear what this parent was saying? Do you hear that parent cussing at you at the fence? I'm like, I did not. I appreciate you telling me. <laughs> I did not. Yeah, I, I know. It's like, what up, am I going to do about it? There's nothing I can do with it. If they're going to cuss at me, they're going to cuss at me, and they will. And it's 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 a different time with with parents now too. It, it really is. Oh, <laughs> it's, uh, but you know, it, it, at the end of the day, you just can't worry about it because you're there for the kids. Those kids play for you. The parents don't play for you. Um, you know, you you just gotta suck it up and know what's going to happen, and and um, hope one day that whoever's doing that realizes, Hey, that I'm not, you know, this is embarrassing for me and my kid. I, I shouldn't be doing this, but, uh, but you get it. And, and you're going, I'm going to keep getting it. Um, no matter if we're in the state championship game or if we're, you know, Oh, and 10, you're going to get it because you're not going to make everyone happy and that's okay. And that's perfect. And that, and, and you nailed it too. I mean, that's, that's, that's what it's come down to. You're not going to make everybody happy. And at the end of the day, you got to play your best and, and the rest will fall into place and so on and so forth. Of course, you know, going back to uh, your playing days, was Dana Hogerson as crazy and, and entertaining as he is now on the sideline when, let's just say when he was at Oklahoma State, of course, West Virginia for a while, now down at Houston. Was he as entertaining as he is now? Man, my first impression with him who in the heck is this dude? I mean, he was excitable. He was he was probably the biggest smart A that I've ever encountered in my life as a 17 and 18-year-old. And it was hilarious, though, unless he was talking to you. Unless he was getting on you, it was hilarious. And, uh, I mean, I will just remember some of the stuff he was saying to some of these guys and just laughing my butt off. I'm like, he just dogging on this dude. And, and, and it was my turn, and it wasn't as funny, but it was uh, it, he he was he was very excitable. He was a, a, a huge personality that I don't think Mississippi College ever thought they would get over there. 
Um, and, you know, it, it was crazy because we had a uh, another backup quarterback named Shannon Dawson was on our team. And, uh, and he knew. And Shannon Dawson knew right away the brilliance and the genius of Dana Holgerson. Uh, he left Mississippi College when uh, – when Dana left and took his, his other job, and I can't remember exactly what school it was that he went to when he left Mississippi College. But, uh, but Shannon knew if he ride that coat tower, if he learned as much as he could from him, it would take him places. And you look at Shannon Dawson now, he's been an OC at Kentucky, Southern Miss. Uh, now he's over there at Houston with Dana. Uh, I think he, I can't remember if he was at West Virginia with him for a minute or not. But, uh, but you know, he's. He learned a lot from him. He saw it. He saw the genius in him early, and and he, whenever Dana left, he's like, you know what? I want to keep learning from him, and he did. And look where he's at today. Oh, absolutely. And you know, I've I've never obviously talked to him. Maybe one day that may happen, but no, he's always entertaining. And I thought, you know, he was always gonna pull whatever hair he had left out of his hair, especially his, his final day at West Virginia. I just, that, that's a funny thought, though, man. You got to admit that that hair has a personality of its own and, and it does whatever it wants to do. And then he don't give a crap about it either. Nope. I mean, it's, funny. it's funny because uh, and people know that I, I, you know, I, I played for him up under a year, but since the uh, since it started in March, I haven't cut my hair in a year since March the first, probably. And I've always, I'm a military dude. I've always had short hair. I've always had a huge beard. But I've always had short hair, and now it is long. But I'm going bald up there on top. <laughs> so a lot of my buddies that call me Dana, it's just a mess. But uh, yeah, my wife's ready for me to get rid of this long hair. I'm getting, I'm ready to get rid of it too. But I, I figured if I waited this long, I can at least wait the full year. So, <laughs> how much longer do you have left then for your wife to to finally be? Uh, oh, I got. Uh, I'm, I'm going to try about March the first. Whenever March the first, as soon as I can get uh, someone to cut it, I just don't want to shave it, Michael. I see my brother went that route, you know. I used, I used to like my hair, man, and uh, but now it's just ridiculous, and it's it sucks. But I'm gonna, I'll probably just shave it. You know, I don't want to, but I'll probably shave it sometime. You know, after March first, and um, I don't, and that's the end of it. <laughs> it's not coming back. <laughs> Hey, don't feel too bad. I'm, I'm already, I'm with there. I'm with you on that one. My hair is starting to, starting to show its age. I'm 30. I'll be 33 next month. But, uh, hey, my, my receiving hairline is starting to show, and I notice in the front there's a bald spot growing. So, hey, I'm not too far behind you. Do what you may. you have my probably have a little bit more years than I do, but uh, hopefully somebody can come up with something. You know, I always look at that stuff too. It's like, what does that keeps? Just keeps work. Let me read the review on there. What about that stupid cap that has that light in it? Of course, being up in Colorado and, and you hear, I'm sure you hear quite a bit. You may not, um, but I'm sure it's talk of the state at least. What's your personal take on Drew Locke's situation in Denver? Um, of course, I'm a Broncos fan. I'm just kind of curious from a, uh, coach's standpoint, especially being in Colorado, um, of course, 
you know, media, you can toss out whatever you want to toss out. You can believe what you want to believe, so on and so forth. But anyway, so, <clears throat> but getting the Drew Lock. Do you really, uh, from my aspect, um, I know a lot of people ask me, what's your personal take? I know a few people are trading, you know, so to speak, mock trades to me, like, would you take this? And my thing is, Drew Locke hasn't really shown us anything. He's shown us his flashes, of course, his bad games. He still hasn't been through a complete full season. Of course, last year, uh, well, last year, losing probably took the entire offense uh, due to injuries in one way or form or fashion. But what's your thoughts on Drew Locke? And do you see Denver maybe drafting, let's just say, Trey Lance from North Dakota State potentially, or the Wilson kid out of BYU, or hopefully, as much as I like Deshaun Watson, hopefully not going that route just because of the sell the farm aspect, but what do you think Denver's going to be looking for this year? You know, you know uh, if I wish I was smart enough to make those decisions, and that's why I, I don't get paid a lot of money because I'm not. But, uh, you know, those those people over there in, in the Denver organization know a lot more than I do, and especially what they want to do. But me as a right. fan, and, and right. of course, you everybody has their own opinion. Um, I, I'm not I'm not 100 against Drew Luck, like Drew Luck, like some of, some of the other guys are. Um, I, I think he does have stuff to offer. I think it was not you know really good that he uh, really it was awful that he had to go through a season like he did because I think he could have used a complete mm-hmm. off season. He could have he he could have benefited greatly from a a preseason. Uh, I think he has a lot of tools that can be used that we haven't seen yet, or we, like you said, we see flashes of it, but yep. you, you want to see more instead of the inconsistency. Um, and I, I know the people's concern, and I, I agree with their concerns, but I don't think, like you said, like selling the farm for Watson, as good as Watson is, uh, I think they can get someone out of the draft, uh, maybe not to start this year, but just to just to get a year in the league up under him, and, and who knows? And after maybe maybe Drew is the guy after that. Maybe after an off season and, and getting with the receivers like through March, through whenever he needs to, maybe things could be a little bit different or with the team and everything else. But I don't know. I I think nowadays people just get rid of people really really quickly, you know, and they, and, and, and yep. they they write people off really really quickly. And I know uh, the fan base is you know really really rough on him. Um, I know so he's got a, support, a lot of support, but there's a lot of the fan base is like really, really rough on him. Um, I'm not a uh, huge Denver fan. Uh, I, w- I was a huge Denver when I was stationed here uh, back in the early 2000s. Uh, that's when Denver had Jake Plummer. And I love Jake Plummer. Mm-hmm. I just love his style of play. Mm-hmm. Love his style yeah. of play. And I remember they was number – I think they were first in their division when they uh, subbed uh, uh, Cutler in for, for Plummer. <laughs> I remember I got so yeah, I believe so. pissed off at Denver about that. And everybody's like, well, he was better. He was better. I'm like, well, I mean, maybe down the line. But at the time, they were number one in their division. And they didn't make the playoffs after the, after the substitution. But uh, I, I, remember. I, I, do, I do remember that. But, you know, I, I, and Vesco Field is a great place to go. I, I remember going there and, and a couple times. And it was just not a bad seat in the stadium. And uh, the atmosphere was great. And I loved to be in there. And, I loved loved them back in the Elway days, and, and like I said, when that that time the switch with the Cutler, that kind of like it was the same thing with uh you know with, with Alex Smith and and um and uh mm-hmm. San Francisco because I was an Alex mm-hmm. Smith fan and I thought he was doing pretty well. And of course, Kaepernick came in and did great, but uh, I got mad at him 
You know, <laughs> Look, I, I follow Claire's. I don't follow. Uh, I've been a patriot. I've been a patriot fan since Bledsoe was there, and uh, and of course, you know, I was pissed off at them when they put Tom Brady. In. <laughs> but but I stayed with them because Bledsoe was still with them. But I stayed. With them. But it was the same thing. I was a Dallas Cowboy fan. They got rid of Dorsett. I was like, man, forget y'all. <laughs> <laughs> when, when 49ers got rid of uh, Montana, and I'm like, oh. Montana, <laughs> but, uh, yep. but you know, so that's that's I did, in the pros being from Alabama, we didn't have a, a professional team. So I, I would, no. I would kind of follow my, you know, and now it's coaches. I like coaches now, but I still like players. I'm a big Brady fan, and uh, some of the newcomers coming up. I let's see, uh, I, I like Tennessee. I like what Tennessee does, but. Uh, back on Drew, I, I think he does have a lot more to show, and, and I would like to see a little bit more patience with him and, and see what he can do because he's shown flashes that he all mm-hmm. um, and I love his enthusiasm, and, and I just I don't know I, I I would like to see him another year there to see what he can do. Oh, I, I'm a, I agree with you, and 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 though people's like, well, you go back and forth, and, and rightfully so, but at the same time. You know, with Drew last year, you know, Drew you lose Cortland yep. Sutton right from the get-go, and that's a huge killer, one of the youngest uh, receivers in the league and definitely going to be a stud for years to come. And you got, of course, Jerry Judy, which is a phenomenal kid out of Alabama. Noah Fant, you know, Tim Patrick can play. You got, you know, Melvin Gordon, uh, Philip Lindsay in the backfield, and the list goes on and on. Granted, the offensive line's a little wishy-washy, but whatever. Um but at the same time, I'm thinking, time, I'm thinking, I really don't believe in, like my dad really always says, I don't believe in selling the farm because guess what? Two, three years down the road, Deshaun's either out of his contract or he wants to get traded. And really, you set yourself back another good two, four years. Depends on how you can really manage the manage the draft and your players moving forward. But um, growing up, I know for me, it was John Elway. I remember John Elway and it was Gerbach at Kansas and – and oh Lord, Steve McNair and Kurt Warner at St. Louis, and yeah, but St. Louis at the time. Growing up, what was some of your quarterbacks or even players for that matter that you really admired and just enjoyed watching um, week in and week out? Well, I'm a big college fan. Being from Alabama, big college fan, and and you know, and I, I do love Alabama, but I also love Notre Dame. Um, but uh, saying that, um, the first quarterback that I, that I really took notice of. Um, besides Montana, like in the college years, was Drew Bledsoe. And um, everybody in Alabama thought it was weird that I was, a, you know, paid attention to Washington State. But it was just something about his game, just seeing the, the way the ball come off his, his, his fingers, the way he spun the ball was just amazing to me. Um, so I followed Drew Bledsoe all the way from Washington State to, to, uh, to, to, to New England when he paired up with Bill Parcells. And, and I love Bill Parcells, too. And that's how I became a Patriot fan. Um, and, a, and after him, there was many more that came out. And it seems like they were all on the West Coast. I'll tell you, I, I was, it was an ESPN magazine. I think I picked up one day. And it's the first time I read about David Carr. And I just got intrigued by it. And I just started watching this game. And I love David Carr. Now, I know he didn't have a great NFL career. But I thought as mm-hmm. a uh, – 
as a, as, as a quarterback at Fresno, I thought he was absolutely amazing. And after starting getting into Fresno, I got into Boise State, and I really liked the way uh, Ryan Dinwiddie played. And, you know, there's probably some names I'll mention that a lot of people don't know, <laughs> but that's just how big of a nerd I am with that some of that small time, you know, the, the, the smaller ball back in the day. But I, I was. I was a Ryan Dinwiddie fan. I was a, I was a David Carr fan. And uh, I think the biggest – where I was rolling the most was uh, – when Ryan Leaf came out, I thought he was going to be the next thing. Uh, I remember watching him throw the ball, and I've still to this day have never seen anybody throw it like that. But uh, I, you know, and I, I, I swore to everybody that he was better than Peyton Manning. <laughs> I, yeah, I was like, no, Peyton's going to suck. <laughs> Ryan Leaf's going to be the next thing. Oh man, I was wrong. <laughs> but yeah, but, you no, know, I think all of us were back then. <laughs> but, you know, but I didn't like Peyton in the beginning because I wasn't a Tennessee fan, being an Alabama fan. I didn't, I didn't like Tennessee, and I thought he had crazy feet, and and I didn't know it was something that he worked on, and that's why he did it. But uh, you know, is he he of course proved me wrong, and I ended up liking him after I saw him on Saturday Night Live and saw how funny he was. I was like, oh, he's a real person, and uh, you know, and. I, always respected him but Peyton Manning was the man and like you said John Elway man it was fun to watch John Elway he played reckless abandon I loved it but uh you know I've always respected Brett Favre just the just the gamemanship of him you know just the 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 you know tenacity and and all that and I tell you one of the you uh, dating back about a little bit before that Randall Cunningham was one of my favorites oh, love watching Randall Cunningham play absolutely he was one of the smoothest QBs you would ever see. Just, you know, of course his arm was amazing, but just the way he ran the ball too, those, the, the, the strides that he had, he was he was that first quarterback for me that I thought was the best running quarterback that I'd ever seen, you know, of course, until Vic came along. But, uh, but no, I, I love Brady now. Um, I didn't like him when he took Bledsoe's place, um, but because uh, I'm not a Michigan fan. But um, he uh, and he beat Alabama in the Sun Bowl, so I didn't like him. But he uh, after he took Bledsoe's place, and you know, I kind of stayed with him, and I kind of realized what why Belichick did what he did, and and it, and it seemed to work for him. But uh, let's see. Other than that, I'm, I'm trying to think now of the, of the QBs I like besides Brady. You know, I respected Breeze. I was a huge fan of Breeze, but I, of course, you got to respect Drew Breeze. Um, Oh man, I don't know. Those Montana was my favorite before Bledsoe, though. That was my first favorite quarterback was Montana, and uh, and I just just loved his game, loved the way he played, loved the way he was always calm and composed, and it seemed like he never got rattled. And you know, but I was so young then, I just didn't know so much about the game. Uh, but no, I, I am a quarterback pro. I do follow a lot of quarterbacks and and coaches, and but I, I think uh, what Brady has done, oh man, I. I I can't even put it into words. And, and a lot of people, you know, they'll call him a system quarterback. And I really never thought he was a system quarterback. Yeah, they, he wasn't a system, but I think he was the system. But, um, I mean, look at him, what he did to Tampa Bay. I don't agree with that. I mean, you could be biased, but, I mean, look, if, if you can't at least – this is, of course, this is my opinion. If you can't look at what he's done in this career, in this unbelievable career – I don't care if you hate the Patriots, if you hate the Buccaneers, if you don't even like him, if you can't appreciate or respect or acknowledge that he's one of the greatest to ever put on a uniform, uh, I just – you're not being honest with yourself. Well, no, absolutely. 
but there's still some haters out there that, that think he's awful and think he's lucky or think he's cheating. And, 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 I, and that's the thing. I get so sick of that whole cheating thing. It's like, oh, they're cheating <laughs> for the Brady again. Or I'm like, what? There's not an official out there that cheats for any team out there. I, I really believe that. I, I don't think there's anybody that gives any more fair chance or calls than any other team. I think it's – you know, it may seem that way sometimes, but it's not like nobody. I think the plate gate was a hoax. Um, yep. uh, I'm not saying spy gate was a hoax. I'm saying the plate gate was a hoax. But, uh, but you know, and it can, it, that stuff happens. If, if you don't know that – I mean, I'm not saying that the ball is lost all that the pressure, you know, to the flight, but it does. I mean, if you go from one atmosphere to another pressure atmosphere, it's, you're going to lose some uh, pounds of pressure. I'm not saying – what. You know what they did that was the total cause of it, but I just don't think all even the Colts guy who called the interception at the end of the first half. I mean, he said, No, I didn't say anything to anybody about the balls being deflated. I didn't, that's what they originally said that the person who got, I can't remember who it was, that got the interception. He came off and said that, you know, that he told us to check the balls. He's like, I never said that. <laughs> but, you know, then they went out there the second half after they corrected the problem or whatever, and they beat the crap out of the coach. So it was uh, definitely not the pressure of the ball that was helping win games. You know, and I just I just think there's so many people that hate and hate and hate. They want to say whatever they want to say. But I, I do. I think Tom Brady is the best NFL football player to ever strap on cleats, helmet, shoulder pad, or anything. I agree. <clears throat> and, you know, of course, I'm a New England fan and definitely not a Tampa Bay fan. Of course, we love, you know, being a Denver fan, at least, you know, Denver fan. We love him because that's the only record he has. It's a losing record against all the rest of the NFL teams. So we definitely love him. But nonetheless, nonetheless, all jokes aside, you know, he's definitely the best to, the, the strap on, especially at the position, uh, the quarterback position. Uh, final two questions for you. I know, um, he says he can play till 50, and he looked pretty good this year. Do you think Tom Brady can play till he's 50? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no. 50 I'll give him this year. I'll give him this year. If he definitely wins this year, I think it's a, it's a wrap. I think 25 will be the, the most. <laughs> I just I, – I don't – 50 years old, that's – man, I, I'm 43 years old, man, and I – I'm just looking at me. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I have a regiment that, that's kind of weird and crazy and all that, like my daily schedule, but it's nothing what he does. I don't take care of my body like – I mean, I wake up at 1.30 every morning and I go work out. And, uh, and you know, because my wife works out at 4 o'clock, so I go at one. I wake up at 1.30, I'm there by 2, I come back, she's there from 4 to, to whatever, then I'm at work and I come back, and I'm usually in bed by this time. I'm usually in bed by 8 o'clock at night, unless it's the season, I'll stretch it to 9 or 9.15. But, uh, no, I, I try to take, you know, exercise and take care of my body, but I also like scotch and IPA beer. So that's, that's something that, that Tom Brady does not put in his body. So I think that's probably why he still has his hair. That's probably I think he still looks a lot better than I do. I'll definitely, uh, you know, I've definitely played some ball and my body's definitely uh, doesn't, you know, some days my knees are like, no, nah, we're not, we're not doing this right now. But, uh, 
Final question before I let you go. Nick Saban, of course, the best of all time in college football. I love college football, of course, being an Oklahoma fan. Um, Nick Saban, phenomenal. Uh, in my opinion, the probably – the uh, the best head coach to uh, in college football history, and that says a lot. Um, eventually, he's gonna have to. Well, he shouldn't. He's not gonna have to retire, but eventually, he probably may retire. He may pass on doing what he loves to do. But let's just say he does retire. Any, give us a few guys that could be interesting, but yet hard shoe to feel when that time does come for Nick Saban in Alabama. Well, every anybody's gonna be a hard, hard shooter. I don't care who he is. I, I don't care if you, uh, if you bring Urban Meyer from Jacksonville or whatever. Although I don't think that would ever happen. Um, uh, I, uh, you know, a lot of talk was about Dabo, um, and and because of his ties, you know, and playing for Alabama and all that. And I think that he would go over there and he'd be successful. Him and uh, Coach Saban have completely, completely different personalities, and I, you know, and I don't want to say philosophies because. Who knows? They might get together and talk, and like, man, we're more similar than people think we are. But, uh, but I, I think Dabo would be one, one definitely. Uh, Dabo Sweeney would be one coach that would definitely be in the talk. The at least the Alabama fan base wanting to come over there. And, and I, I know at one point he had mentioned, uh, I guess, a little bit of interest, like maybe later in his career or something. But uh, I think that would be the first name that would come about. Um, you know, I. I don't think a lot of the Alabama fans wouldn't like it if Kiffin came back over, but Kiffin's a hell of a coach, man. I, oh, yes. I, oh, just, I really do. That would be crazy, somebody with that type of personality being at Alabama. They've never seen anything like that before. Yeah, as, as a head coach, of course, he was there before. But, you know, when he was there before, the fans gave him gifts. You know, yep. it, 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 you know, they're talking about one. You know, that was the whole thing with the T-shirts, run the damn bumble and all that kind of stuff. And, and I'm like, well, do y'all not realize he's stretching the field horizontally because in the fourth quarter he's going to gash from north and south with with uh, Mark Ingram and all those cats? Y'all not see what he's doing? He's winning. Do y'all not see this? And, they, you know, they're like, run the ball, run the ball. And I'm like, y'all weren't saying that this year with Mac Wilson. But, uh, anyway. <laughs> 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 but no, I, I I would like I I do like Lane Kiffin a lot. Um, I do like Campbell at Iowa State. Oh, that like dude's that. the I think he's I a think hot he's commodity. I'm glad to see Iowa State um, uh, sign him. I think it's another eight years or some some contract like that, six eight years something down the yep. road. But that was phenomenal that was extension because that dude was hot commodity. Yep, I love Matt Campbell up there in Iowa State. So do I. I, I that, that's one being an Alabama fan that you know that I would like to see. I think would be an interesting uh, fit, and, and I, would, I would wouldn't mind seeing that. And uh, and there's so many great coaches out there. Uh, as much as I like Mike Lee, I just don't think that Alabama can take uh, the Pirate as it is. But uh, I, I think they would go crazy with all that throwing. But uh, but I, I definitely I would like to see it. I love Leach. I love what he does. Um, but there's some interesting coaches around. I, I want to see what uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think. I mean, you think of somebody like Lincoln Riley. And like, does he ever leave Oklahoma? <laughs> I mean, he's got know wherever he goes, regardless if it's the NFL. Because you always you always hear the NFL talk. But 
you know, the NFL or the or regard maybe Alabama or a um, Clemson if Dabo happens to leave or some sort like that. I'm sure whoever it may be you're gonna have to pay him some money, but he's another hot commodity. He's in he's I think he's like 33, 34 now, I think. Yep. So he's still young and he's got years ahead of him. So I'm sure he'd probably be another name just along with Dabo um down the road if Nick Saban happened to retire and and those names come about. He, and he is. He, I like Lincoln, uh, Lincoln Riley a lot, and, and that's why I mentioned him. I'm trying to think of the best coach. I know there's some young, uh, up-and-coming young coaches that I'm not putting out there, but uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just trying to think of the people that are really, really successful right now that I think Alabama would like, oh, that's a big target. Oh, that's a big target. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Dabo, I think, would be the first one. I would like to oh, see someone yeah. like Campbell come in there and give it a shot or then give, give Campbell someone like Campbell a shot. And, um, but there's so many good coaches around now, man. I mean, just, now that I've been, you know, been to so many different states and getting to talk to uh, different college coaches and watch different college coaches from different areas, uh, or different areas of the world. Like, you know, when I was in Hawaii, we took a trip and we were lucky enough to go to the University of Oregon for like four or five days. And this and Chip Kelly was over there. Man, I just learned so much from Chip Kelly and Scott Frost was there at the time. I just loved oh. him, the way he was. We were receivers and and uh, man, the offensive line coach was after. And everybody's like, "Why are you in the offensive line coach?" Why are you in the offensive line coach? And I was like, "Because that's what I know least about is the offensive line." So I'm gonna learn from Steve Greatwood if I can. One of the best offensive line coaches ever around. So, uh, you know, I, I I don't think – I'm not saying one of those coaches should be Alabama. I'm just saying I've been lucky enough to be in different parts of the world and got to see different – you know, listen to different coaches and all that. Hey, I love what Huge Freeze does. I love what mm-hmm. – you know, I've always been a big fan of Huge Freeze. I remember I, I got to listen to Houston Nutt talk at a clinic one day, and, and I'm telling you, that guy right there, you listen to him talk, you want to go out there. I don't care how many beers you had or what time it's <laughs> You want to go coach right when you get out of this meeting? That guy, I love listening to Houston Nutt. But there's, I miss Houston Nutt on the sideline. But no, there's a like like Hugh Free. Like I said, there's there's a lot of coaches that probably not coming to my mind right now. But uh, uh, Campbell Freeze, Riley, uh, I think the Alabama fan base would definitely want uh, Coach Sweeney over there first before anybody else. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I like, you know, probably not a name that you probably throw out there for Alabama, but Blake Anderson, who was at Arkansas State, now at Utah State. I, I absolutely adore what he's all about. Uh, values to his personality, of course. Uh, his wife passed away a few years ago, but he's another one. Probably you may not, he may not be mentioned for the Alabama job, but you never know. He may, you know, one day maybe we'll see him at Colorado, Colorado State, yep. Oklahoma State potentially. So down the road. So, you know, the doors are open to these coaches. And I just love following these coaches. I think it's amazing where some of them start out at and move on down the road. Well, you know, there are. You, you, you get to see them more, too, because of all the technology that's out, you know. And like P.J. Fleck, I like I love the, the impact that he makes wherever he goes is amazing, you know. And he's another guy that people are going to look at and say, man, he's he's dynamite. Uh, Coach Fitzgerald over there at uh, Northwestern. Uh, just so many great coaches. And, 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 you know, but Alabama is a very different place than a lot of other places. And it's you can take a, an amazing coach that might not be as successful at a place like Alabama because it's a, it's, it's a different area, man. It's Those people are cutthroat over there. And and um, it's, a, it's big-time pressure, big, big-time pressure. 
Absolutely, and and, uh, and uh, I look forward to. Uh, I know we got some spring ball uh, in regards to high school practices and call some colleges FCF. I know is kicking underway and some NAIA ball and. I believe D2, not for sure exactly. I know UCO up here in Edmond, they're D2, but I'm not for sure if they're playing spring ball or not. But we got some football, regardless of of um, anybody's taste. But, Coach, I know it's getting late for you back there and and uh, all that good stuff in Colorado. And I trust you one thing. I will be up in that, your neck of the woods, hopefully uh, sooner than later. But um, when I do pass through Colorado Springs, I'll definitely hit you up. Well, you do that, man. My wife, she's a, uh, a chef. She's an executive chef. She's now a culinary instructor. But so if you need some good food and a bed to lay down in, you, do, you can stay up there and uh, <laughs> bed and you can, you, can eat, you can eat some good food while you're here. <laughs> hey, nothing. Hey, trust me, nothing wrong with good good food. I can I can, I can attest to that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, Michael, hey, I appreciate it, man. I always love talking football, and you come through here in Colorado, give me a shout. We'll hook up. Hey, most like, uh, most definitely, coach, and uh, it's always your. More than welcome More to come on. Just come shoot on. me a message. I'll get you on, and and I promise you, hopefully next time we don't have music in our ears. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Hey, man, you have a good night. Good evening. Thanks a lot. You as well, Coach. You take, as well. Care. Coach take care. Right, Coach Colley from the uh, head coach of the Vista Ridge uh, High School in Colorado Springs. Before we end the show, uh, Q&A session. Of course, a few questions come about through the Twitter. Uh, first one, Clyde Butler, uh, at Clyde Diesel, triple four, uh, says, how can the Broncos retain Vaughn at the same time at hedging against a possible suspension or is his cap casualty or is he a cap casualty in 2021? Uh, Clyde, to answer that question, um, I still think they're going to restructure his contract. I think uh, that's probably your best option at that rate. Your second option, he's due 22.1 mil uh, this year as a team option. I don't think they're going to take that. Uh, I don't think uh, pending legal issues, nothing goes on with that. I don't know what in the world's going on with that. But uh, nonetheless, <clears throat> pending legal issues. I think that Denver does let him go, and I think you can see a restructure uh, to an extent, um, I'm sure, especially if the quarterback position goes in the way of Watson. Uh, I think he stays. He more than likely wants to finish. I'm, I'm sure he wants to finish in Denver, and um, I think that's how you're going to retain him, really, is restructure uh, the contract if Vaughn wants to stay in Denver, and I'm sure both parties – uh, from what I'm hearing and from what I'm reading on, on some different multi-media uh, multi, uh, or media outlets on Twitter, uh, none of this bias towards one way, both neutral. Uh, they're wanting to work something out. So hopefully we can. Um, love to see Vaughn retire as a Bronco and, uh, and go from there. So the answer to your question for now, he's a cap casualty, um, 22.1 mil team option. I don't think they're going to take that. Uh, I think that uh, Peyton's going to need a lot of rebuilding. I think he has his own ways that he wants to take care of things. So I think a restructure for Vaughn, pending investigation legally, and go from there. Otherwise, I think Vaughn's days are numbered in Denver. Um, <clears throat> next question, last one, I believe. Oh, a few more after this. Uh, <clears throat> I guess switch over to my uh, Air Raid show uh, podcast or Twitter, I should say. But um, 
Lindsay Bebout, Bebout, I'm sure I'm butchering her last name. I apologize. At Lindsay Bebout on Twitter. Who do you think Peyton replaces AJ Bouye with? Of course, AJ Bouye was the first casualty in regards to the first domino effect uh, falling in Denver uh, at the cornerback position. I say, first and foremost, draft, uh, assuming they want to keep Drew Locke. I love Trey Lance. I don't think if, if Trey Lance is not there, uh, you go Patrick Sertan, I believe is how you say his last name, out of Alabama. I think you go that route. Uh, you know, Xavier Rhodes, I believe, is a free agent this year. Of course, George Payton coming from Minnesota. You can play that route. Don't know what the money factor is going to be in it. Um, long shot, which I would love to see. Uh, Patrick yeah, Peterson out of Arizona, I think, will be my probably 1B option. B option. Um, but to answer your question, tough one. I'm going to say Patrick Sustan out of Alabama, but Patrick Peterson with my final answer. I think we could, I think we might be able to nab Patrick Peterson. It's a long, but. But uh, he's, he's gonna be he's not the player, he's not the player, he he's definitely aging, definitely aging, but nonetheless, I, I think we could, it's a possibility. I think we could be Xavier Rhodes would be nice. Xavier I think, would be he, nice. I think he, he's just gonna be a little pricier, a little pricier, uh, especially uh, coming from Minnesota, uh, coming from Minnesota, but I think oh. helps out as well. Uh, uh, let's see, let's see. Um, come with come these last with these last questions. Here we go. Here we go. One. Last one. Sorry, guys. Just trying Sorry, to, trying to get, get all these at once. All these at once. Make sure that we, sure that we get, them get them underway. Get them underway. Just while loading stuff. Uh, Coach Collie uh, will. Uh, Definitely pleasure uh, talking pleasure football. Not uh, uh, just coaching in general. Uh, phenomenal guy, family guy, and it's going to be um, fun. Fun, especially when the season comes about. Questions, uh, Michael, Mister Moody Metz, Michael. My Tony Tay. I'm, I know I'm butchering his last name, but just Tony Tay sounds amazing. It's on Twitter, the last four, and he'd be coming on the show here during the baseball season. He is the baseball insider that will be on the Air and Attack podcast. Number one, how do you feel? Um, how do you feel about the embarrassing behavior of the OU receiver recently? And also, do you think they deserve that whooping? And what he means by is Spencer Jones, the placeholder slash wide receiver for the University of Oklahoma, uh, was caught in a in a what they would consider a bar fight, more so or less. It was actually a restroom in the bar where they actually took place. Um, I tweeted out to the to the fighter. Well, it was a brother that was one of them. That took place. I think it could have been. First and foremost, if you look at the picture of the of not the main guy, but the second guy, and I, if I could go back to the Twitter, I would say who it was. But if you look at them both, they know they're an OU person, and so they obviously know who these two guys were. And so I think they're just looking for trouble. I think definitely going to be legal action taking place on both sides of the film. Um. 
both embarrassing. It's, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing for both of them, nonetheless, for both parties, to be honest. One. Two, they could have handled it better. I mean, <clears throat> don't know what was said. Don't care what was said. <clears throat> None of my business about the end of the day. Could have handled it better. I'm Lincoln Raleigh. I know it's handling. <clears throat> Excuse me. I know Lincoln Raleigh, the head coach of Oklahoma, is handling on his side of it legal action. Like I said, I know the police are investigating it. So, <clears throat> nonetheless, to answer your question, uh, do they deserve it? Like I said, uh, the answer to the question, no. Now, what was said verbally? I don't know. I mean, maybe. I guess maybe depends on what was verbally said, um, but nonetheless, uh, to answer your question, I don't think so. Um, just from the video in itself, I think they two guys just wanted to pick a fight. They're both guys that have no balls, and they wanted to impress, I think, ladies or somebody. I'm sure. And um, how do I feel? It's embarrassing. Nonetheless, both parties could have handled it better. Number two. Um, please explain this football league that recently caught your interest because I do not get it, LOL, Mr. Moody Mets. I'll get to that one last because it's going to be a longer answer. Uh, bonus question from at Mr. Moody Mets. How do you feel about spring football and Coach Deion Sanders, the head coach of Jacksonville, or Jackson State uh, University? <coughs> spring football, I love it. Um, it's not the pure answer you know, due to COVID. Uh, is the reason why that you got some spring football. I know my um, where I played college football at KCU. I know that they're um, they're playing spring ball. I know FCS is playing spring ball. Uh, Tarleton State beat New Mexico State. I know on last week, which is pretty amazing because FCS they were um, D two I believe and they jumped up with D three. They jumped up to FCF ranks, so that's a huge win for Tarleton State over in uh, New Mexico State. And just tell me that New Mexico State really should overlook their their should look at take a look at the football program. But um, um, I love it. Uh, baseball, of course, come around the corner, but from a football guru. Yeah, I just absolutely love football. I am, I love it. Um, I still want to see the spring football in America from a semi or a professional league standpoint. But uh, college football in spring, I'll take it. Um, it's not the long-term answer, of course, because they're trying to get in the 2020 season. But nonetheless, I enjoy it. Coach Deion Sanders, I think, would do a phenomenal job at Jackson State. I think it's a great fit. Um, Deion Sanders, I think I like I like him as a player. And I think he'll do well um, just from a standpoint of getting the players uh, coming in, teaching them about life, and sending them on their way. Once they get their degree, I think that's the main focus there. Um, I bet he can recruit, though. I think I think you'll see a few five stars go down to Dion. Uh, definitely in the next few years. I know they got one. I think he was a corner five star this past recruiting season. Uh, last but not least. As I mentioned, the please explain the football league that recently caught your interest because he does not get it. Uh, what he's what he's talking about? Controlled football. Yeah, the FCF. It's on. If you don't know about it. Uh, it's phenomenal league. I like it. I am the co-owner of the FCF Zappers, and it's a phenomenal league. First and foremost, um, it's on Twitch. It's a seven-on-seven seven seven football league. 
It is a weekly, it's a weekly draft on Wednesdays, which is practically like a fantasy draft. You got your players, your quarterback, your receivers, and your running backs. You got your offensive line, which usually you don't see in leagues, at least not in my leagues. Um, but you got the offensive linemen, which is slash tight end. They play two games. They draft those. On the defensive side, it's exactly like fantasy football. Defensive players get picked together as a group for that specific team. There is no kicking in the FCF. Uh, The fans can, if you can register, download the app, FCF app, register your favorite team, and during the game of your favorite team, you can actually become the offensive coordinator. How that means is you pick a play, the fans vote, the winning vote, the winning player, I should say, is immediately called down to the players in their helmets, and they run it. Uh, it's a fan-controlled league. Um, for example, this week, they, the fans voted on what's the championship trophy look like, what's the championship game um, name should be, um, so on and so forth. It's, it's amazing. I like it. Um, you know, the... There's no extra point, uh, you know, kick wise, but from the I think from the ten yard lines, I think is is two points from the or one point from the five yard lines two or something like that. The extra point attempt, nonetheless, one point two points. You put the ball on the kind of like a table or a chair type thing. The quarterback and it's a one on one drill between the corner safety and then receiver slash running back however they want to man up that's the extra point two point conversion type um you have two halves first half second half 20 minutes and you run with it you need seven on seven if you watch watching arena football it's, it's arena football um just trying to think of what else um really that's what it is it's fan controlled fans control the offensive play calling they vote for it you may win you may not win if you do win you get points um, for for your um fan id but um hopefully that answered your question it's uh I enjoy it. Just check it out. Maybe uh, maybe we can Skype or something and um, kind of go over it. Hopefully that answered your uh, question, Mikey. Regardless, dude, I still love you. Thank you for all for uh, tuning in. I know we were, I forgot to mention earlier, but we were on YouTube Live. But uh, we'll be back on YouTube later, I think actually tomorrow, um, when we get um, our next guest on. But, again, it's a pleasure, Coach. Excuse me. The head coach Cauley, the head coach Ridge High School, Jason Cauley, uh, coming on the show. And as always, feel free to listen to the show, download us, subscribe, whatever, follow us on iTunes, Google, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcast platform from. Listen to us on platforms. Watch the YouTube live channel, restream it, whatever the case may be. Follow us on Twitter at AirRaid underscore podcast. Visit my personal Twitter on Air with Mike if you want to uh, communicate through there throughout the week. Week, Go ahead. And just a little few things behind the scenes. We are working on getting a website, and it will be detailed out hopefully in the next episode. If not, will be next week as well. But in the meantime, 
hopefully, hopefully you all are staying safe. And um, hey, I mean, got to take care. And uh, I got nothing else. But guess what? We are almost towards the weekend. We are almost towards the weekend. Hey, the weekend. Hey, okay. are fun. But uh, nonetheless, it was 14 degrees a week ago. It is a whopping 70-something for the run with it. But anyway, <clears throat> after listening to on Friday, I may yeah, listen to this on Friday. Um, on Thursday, no, Thursday, Wednesday's again. Okay, today's Wednesday. Thank you. So on Thursday, Thursday's so guest is Natalie Thursday, coming on Thursday's the Air Attack Natalie podcast. She is the host Air of Air Cleveland Air Sports Talk in Cleveland, and uh, she's a Sports in- Illustrated Indians um, contributor, freelance sports writer. We'll talk. Uh, trust me, we're going to talk some Cleveland Browns. Is Baker that Baker the they got the fifth year option? Is Baker the answer in Cleveland? Is the Browns, can they land J.J.? And uh, can we see the Browns in the Super Bowl here eventually? Just, uh, we'll see. But in the meantime, get those questions out there going. But uh, in the meantime, you all take care, stay safe, and uh, we'll see you guys on the other side. Have a good evening.